2: Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me on this week's episode are my colleagues Tom Whittaker and George Poole, both from the analysis Shore team. And we are looking back at a fantastic three points at Turf Moor as Middlesbrough came to town and were sent home packing with their tails between their legs, as everybody else in the championship has been doing so far this season. Fantastic 3-1 victory. Uh, mixed performance, lots to talk about. But before we get there, George, it would be remiss of us not to start this week's episode by at least delving slightly into the unbelievable scenes that was last night's World Cup final, the dream ending for Lionel Messi. Um, to go from a 2 0 nothing of a game to what we ended up seeing by the time we got to penalties was uh, was some leap, don't you think?
3: Yeah, it was probably the best game of football uh, taking out, taking out personal allegiances to to Burnley that I think I've ever seen, and I think most people yeah. have ever seen. Even even the first, you know, sixty. I found the first half exhilarating. You know, in hindsight, you can say that was the boring bit of the game, but the way that Argentina played, it was just they were they were magical. Like the first quarter half minutes, especially the way they they ran at France. Not only when they had the ball, but when France got the ball, they they didn't let France get into the game at all. They, no. they were sort of passion and intensity they had. It was a lot like watching Japan uh, earlier in the World Cup. So I found them so good to watch. And then obviously for 80 minutes, you're thinking, this is it, the dream ending for Messi. And it was, and that was what made it enjoyable. And then obviously everything uh, got flipped <laughs> on its head the last 10 minutes. And, and then extra time itself, there was just so many ups and downs. Argentina breaking, Messi almost scoring with that uh, long ranger uh, no, full time. And then you had Martinez. Do you know
2: we had, a, we had a bet on at 11-1 for Messi to score outside the area. I could have kicked my TV screen when he missed. But anyway, sorry, carry on, George. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and, then, and then Martinez's save at 3 all with... It, it was oh, the my last God, kick that the was game. incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And, and, and to be honest, I thought after extra time, I thought the momentum is just sort of in the game with France. But a little, something in my head said, well, Martinez has just made that save. If there's one thing you want a keeper to have going yeah. into the penalty Confidence. shootout, it was that, so... It was just incredible to to watch the game itself. And then just to see Messi win the World Cup, uh, just magic. It's something I've wanted. Well, I think most of us have wanted for for over 10 years now. You know, he deserves it. Argentina deserves it. And to be honest, they were fantastic to watch pretty much all tournament bar this Saudi Arabia game, which was itself fantastic to watch. So now I was delighted to see them. And if anyone but England was going to win that World Cup, I was rooting for Messi. Yeah,
2: Morocco, Zurich. You know, let's let's be careful here. Uh Tom, you didn't really watch it last night. What was it? What what didn't spark your interest? You didn't buy into the fairy tale ending for Messi, or was it just anti England?
4: Yeah, no, I did watch it and I enjoyed it. Um brilliant game like like George said, but uh, I I don't know. I am not that like, bothered if Messi wins it or not, to be honest. I, I sort of like as soon as England get knocked out, I sort of lose a bit of interest in it. Still like the epic you know. Was yeah. was a fake draw and then as soon as we only get knocked out it's like, oh, I don't care now. So, yeah, I, I, was, I enjoyed the game as a neutral and I, I did back Argentina to win it at the start of the tournament. So Oh, well done. I had a little bit of uh, finance riding on it but other than that, yeah, I, I don't particularly care if Messi wins the, the World Cup or not to be honest. So, yeah, uh, I yeah.
2: think, I just, I like, I like that you don't get it that much in sports, particularly football anymore that that dream right over the road was style stuff because money talks in football now and just we're just in that sport where if you've got enough money you'll buy yourself victory so the, the old days of a dream coming true and, and obviously you know Messi's had an incredible career but the South Americans haven't won the World Cup for a long time now And Argentina was it 86 was it the last time they won it so um it's not like they were they were in it you know, they should have been winning, but now they've not won for a while. And I, I just think it's it's very rare now, particularly in football, that you get that dream ending. That's, um, that's a great thing. So I was pleased for him. Um, what I would say, though, George, it's quite rare in a big game like that, that you get your two star players, the big names, both showing up. And Mbappé and Messi yesterday absolutely delivered for their countries.
3: Yeah, it was reminiscent of seeing the two best players in the Championship, Barnes and Zorori, uh, doing the same against Blackburn Rovers uh, last month. It's fantastic <laughs> to see it when big players turn up at the big occasion. Um, but yeah, yeah, going towards players that I suppose are quite good in their own right, uh, Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, like I said to the our group chat last night, I'm not a massive fan of Mbappe. Um, I just think he's arrogant and I don't like him. I don't like the cut of his jib at all. That being said, he did show up for the last 10 minutes, you know, it's about time he turned up uh, in that game last night. Messi though, just I, I could just talk or, talk all day, you know, he's 35 years old, it's not like, I, I get this with Wayne Rooney again, so, sometimes people say, oh, he didn't play until he was till he was 40, and you say, well, yeah, but he came through when he was 16, Messi made his Barcelona debut when he was 17, was playing at the 2006 World Cup, and for him still to be at the, the top yeah. of his game, it's just magical to watch, and... Obviously, you've got that the fact that Argentina hadn't won it since 1986. You look to that Argentina team before the tournament, and okay, they went 30 unbeaten. They weren't, they, weren't, they shouldn't be average, actually, it. didn't they? Yeah, no, I agree. Without Messi, you know, you take Messi out of that team, it's not a great team, but he's dragged them throughout this tournament and had a World Cup for the ages. Mbappe, on the other hand, has done similar for France throughout the tournament, scored a lot of goals, and he, he, he turned up when it was needed last night. But I did, I was terrified towards the end when he, he cut in. Uh, two minutes to go and he almost, he oh, almost yeah. went fourth I and thought I was, that thinking, was going not in. not like this not like this so yeah it was it was everything a script writer could have wanted you had the the goals between the two di- different teams you had Messi versus Mbappe you couldn't wish for a better final and I don't think we'll see a game as good as that for no, a long long time
2: I agree well a World Cup final a Lionel Messi World Cup is all good and well but we all know what the main game was this weekend it was of course Burnley versus Borough now I'm going to let George, it's very professional listeners. George is sat here on Zoom called scoffing his tea. So I'm going to come over to Tom to say this, if you don't mind, because Tom had the the manners to eat before he came on air. Um, but a few changes before we started the game, Tom, we'd, we'd find out very late that Vettinio um, has t- taking an injury. is going to be out for about a month, best part of this month. He's broken a rib, apparently. When he says he's going to be out for the vast majority of this month, I'm presuming that vk means january and not december um otherwise that's only a week and that's absolutely fine um but he's broken a rib apparently i think we can all maybe presume that he doesn't know what ice is and fell on his backside in training but um Northin teller's caught a bug as well so there's a couple of changes there um i'm gonna set us off on maybe not the most positive of, of routes but not a great first half tom i'm gonna throw it out there
4: yeah i agree with you um I think it put you in mind a little bit of some of the, the games we had earlier in the season when we were dropping points, um, you know, like the Stoke game, for example, There, just, just a bit of a slog, yeah. not really creating too much. Good Munson had a good chance in the first half, but other than that, I don't think we really were keep keeper. The frustrating thing is that, uh, and, and I know, I, I should say as well, I know that this, this theory with the possession football, that, you know, it's about knocking it about, tiring the opposition, waiting for the gaps to, to come later in the, in the game and, Richard's always on on our case, and if we're getting frustrated in the group chat, he's always like, "Well, we're going to score later on; they'll get tired." And to be fair to him, he's normally right. Um,
2: Don't tell him that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the frustration for me with it, and you know, it's not as if we Middlesbrough had come to do anything other than get a 0 nil They didn't threaten us at all; they were happy with the point. So that plays into it as well. And the frustration for me was that as soon as Middlesbrough scored at the start of the second half. We were just, just a lot better. We looked like we were gonna yeah. score right. If you can do that when you're one nil down, why can't you do it nil-nil? Yeah, so we didn't need when...
2: to be in that position really, did we?
4: Yeah, exactly. That, you know, I mean, if you look at last week GPR, you know, we're two up at half time in the game's one and we can just save our energy. So yeah, it, it it felt to me like they had some gears to go through, and I don't understand why they waited until they were one down to go through then gears. But you know, uh, the position that we're in at the minute, the form that we're in. All these all these criticisms are, are very minor nitpick, Yeah, aren't?
2: they are. I it mean, it, it might not be a case of waiting to go 1-0 down. We've seen this quite a lot this season where VK plays... His, his, his strategy is clearly to keep possession in the first half as much as he possibly can. And you can see the players will only make a pass if it's 100% absolutely they're going to make that pass. They don't make any risky passes at all and they keep possession. And that has the impact which we saw against in the the East Lines Derby, it has the effect of really wearing down the opposition because they're chasing shadows for 45 minutes. It's very hard mentally and physically. Um, And... We, when we, when they come out in the second half, we see them turning up a gear, but we never really got a chance to see that because Middlesbrough scored within three minutes. So they may very well have not needed to go 1-0 down to, to get that spark. But I think the thing that disappointed me the most about the first half, George, was that they did that. They kept that possession, tried to frustrate and get in the minds of Middlesbrough and 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 hire them out. But actually they didn't because they weren't passing the roll around and making them run. They were literally just passing. There was a great like, heads-up match between our two centre-halves at one point for about five minutes. Now you saw something different in that first half. You really enjoyed it. Explain yourself, George Cole.
3: Yeah, I I was in camp rich on this one, and that I found the first half quite enjoyable. I think it was maybe. Um just the fact that just the whole game, I don't know if you guys felt this, it just felt flat, like the turf felt flat. Yeah, it did. It's all all well and good. We got people into the building and they'd done these all big come and join us for the Middlesbrough game. The the turf, like the atmosphere was so dead the first half. Everything just felt drab and, we're really here to watch football. So I think just like emotionally, (laughs) I just wasn't like as invested into the first half, to be honest. Um, But just watching it, it almost took that emotion out of it in a way. It was quite enjoyable because I thought, you had one team, uh, us, who obviously were playing exactly like how we know we play at the moment, passing it round, trying to work an opening. And then you had Middlesbrough, who, like Tom said, they came for a draw. But that being said, they defended really well, I thought, the first half. They looked like a very yeah. you know, stru- structured team. So you had you had that sort of interplay of, well, can we break them down? Probably not. They're, 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 they're solid. OK, let's just try and tire them out. And I think... It's unfair to say it only changed when we went 1-0 no down. So I think maybe the last five minutes of the first half, we worked a couple of openings and, and it just looked a bit more promising. Yeah. So, however, that was the case of them starting to tire out. So, I, I did quite enjoy it. And like you said, though, it, things did change in the second half when we went 1-0 we no down. And I think one thing that adds credence to your argument, Tom, is that company himself said in the in his interview afterwards that it was a game where, don't, don't ask me why, but it's I felt a we need to go 1-0 yeah. no down. Yeah he, he, yeah, he felt we needed to go behind to to start playing. So it is an odd one, but that's not to say I found it found it boring. I actually quite enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing us be so dominant. There's a there's a little bit of me after watching a good few seasons of really difficult games on turf More where we've been the in the bottom half of the table and largely speaking not not quite as good as our counterparts that we're playing. So there was a there was a bit of an ego about me that quite enjoyed the superiority of just being able to keep the ball and doing whatever we want to and yeah George has just put in our uh, chat here just the lack of anxiety in games at the moment even when you go one nil down it doesn't bother me um I just I'm greedy because I'm a football fan and I don't when I see a side that's so good I don't want you to just stay in first gear I want you to destroy everything that's in your path I really do and I just want to I just want to we don't get to see it very often where we are so dominant and we just completely railroad everybody so i just i want to see that most um tom coming back to you then let's i I guess the first place the most obvious place to start is the the main man himself manuel benson who went from villain to hero very very quickly and yeah borough fans must be scratching their heads a little bit and wondering what on earth the deal with manuel benson was let's start with that that conceded the conceded goal um I've looked at it a lot now and I genuinely don't really know what he was thinking of with that hook back over. It was such a dangerous ball. I don't really know what... We... Can you give us any justification for what he did there? Or is this just a bad, bad, bad pass?
4: Yeah, he just wasn't thinking ahead. I think all he's thinking is I'll try and keep this on. Um, yeah. And just doing everything he can to stop the ball going over the line but not really thinking about what's going to happen once he plays it. Um, and to be fair to him as well, I mean, it's like... What are the odds that he's going to play someone clean to run goal just by keeping it in on the halfway line? Pretty much, it's uh, he's unlucky. Um, and yeah, like I think it's born out of a genuine desire to keep the ball and keep the play going. And yeah, and, and these things happen. And uh, you know, he more than made up for it. I think you saw in his celebration for the equaliser that he was still feeling a little bit guilty about it. So, uh, yeah, I shan't bear a grudge. It's it's uh, just one of them things.
2: Yeah, good stuff. But then George, he immediately redeemed himself because within a, a few minutes, we saw one of those trademark Benson crosses where he comes in from the right, switches back in again, and just with his left peg puts that ball in, and the keepers seem to have no chance. It was a it was a sublime goal for the equaliser.
3: Yeah, it certainly was. He's um, you could tell the minute the minute uh, player got back underway after after the ref blew the whistle he was desperate to try and make up for his mistake because like Tom said, it was just a, an idiotic hookback trying to keep the ball in play. And I noticed we did that a couple of times actually um, in the game where we were trying to keep the ball in and you're thinking you're probably making more problems than you are causing opportunities here. But um, you could tell right away he was raring to go and he just does that so well on the right hand side. He sort of tricks past a couple of players. They back off him, which he, Okay, you think it's it's silly of them to back off, but at the same time, obviously they're worried that he's going to go past them and be in an even better position. So I do have some sympathy uh, for the defenders when they're up against someone of his class. But the way he just drifted in, and then you knew he was going to have a shot on goal. He tried one maybe thirty seconds earlier. You knew it was coming, and I think what what um, really sealed the deal was the fact that he got it to bounce just in front of the keeper, yeah. which makes it which is always a difficult one to save. So. Fantastic to watch, and um, he's going to end up with a, a decent tally of goals this season. Yeah, uh, he really. He's is. already got seven. He's already got seven. I mean, it's uh, he's, he's just he's just so fun to watch. Even when he's messing up, he's fun to watch. There's a great picture of him uh, when the when Duncan Watmore's clean on goal and Benson just stood exactly where he hooked the ball in, just with his hands on his head, like oh no. So he uh, just yeah, brilliant. Oh to watch. no,
2: you sounded. You see, you can move yourself down to back. He sounded like you a proper Burnley then. Oh no. Um... I, the goals is an interesting one, actually, Tom. I think for all the noise that we made at the beginning of the season about needing a striker, and I've still been saying it since I've not learnt my lesson is to question anything that ever comes out of Burnley, um, to question whether we still do need to sign a striker at, at, at uh, the January transfer window. We are now the, the highest scoring team in all four divisions. And considering that we don't have somebody who's on like 10, 12 goals already, the goals are genuinely being shared out. That is pretty impressive considering when you look at our strike force, a, a pure strikers, I mean.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you think of the strikers, as well, Rodriguez obviously got nine, Barnes only two, only had that one game that he scored yeah. and David only one as well. Um, it obviously, as we were saying earlier, you know, even when we go 1-0 down at the minute, you don't feel any anxiety and that's because there's so many goals in the team at the minute. Yeah. Um, we've we've signed so many players in those wide positions where you know the last few years we haven't really had Options and certainly not options who you get your goals in those positions and obviously we've changed the way we play a little bit. The uh the wingers are a bit more direct and, and a bit more sort of focused on cutting inside and on the shot than they were under dice. Um and I th- but I think as well a big a big sort of reason we start turning draws into wins and start scoring so many more goals is because it's really clicked with uh, with Benson and Zorari in particular. Yeah. just two players that look way too good for this level. How oh, we've got both of them so cheap. It's uh it makes you wonder. But the they both look too good. You know. I mean, I, I don't think either of Benson's goals were were kind of something that you'd be happy with as the defending team. In the no, league.
2: keeper yeah. as well should be. Like the yeah. second one, my God, what was he doing?
4: Yeah, I think like George said, he's uh, the, the bounce has throwing him a bit and the first one, obviously, he, sh- he shouldn't get beat near post that easily. But we've seen Benson score them already this season. Yeah. You know, so he's he's technically really good. He knows where he wants to put the ball. And, uh, and you know, the reason that, You know, we're in the championship. Well, we're in the championship, and therefore, the teams that you're playing aren't going to be as good as the ones we were playing last season. And, you know, I wasn't particularly impressed with Middlesbrough for saying they were supposed to be one of the division's former teams. I thought they were were one dimension of the lap's ambition and that keeper. I mean, sometimes you look at Murich and think, oh, Man City had us on there with with this guy, but he certainly wasn't the worst um, ex Man City keeper on the pitch on on Saturday.
2: No, I think it's. I think this coming off the, off the game on, at the weekend, I was talking to my dad about this on the way home, considering that our last two home games have been the in-form, top of the league in terms of in-form uh, teams and third in the league behind us and Sheffield United, us and United are so far ahead of the rest of that. I mean, it. I'm not even joking. We are going to be comfortably promoted as automatics with a lot of games to go, I think, and it'll just be a case of Fighting it out for the title, I think eight point gap already to third for us. You know, uh, so well that'd be four for no, no five for Sheffield United. It's it's crazy how much that gap's going. Um, speaking of keepers, actually, just a very quick one before I move back on to, to George Tom. Um, I, I meant to say this at the time. Do we think Mieritch could have done a little bit better for their goal? It seems to just bobble past him. Is am I being harsh there? I'm I'm not I, I, technically uh i'm not going to repeat what george just put in our words. george if you, do you know what they say about if you don't have something nice to say don't say it at all um <laughs> i'm gonna tell your dad on you um i don't know it just maybe i'm just being harsh there. i'm not technically that good when it comes to keepers i never really know what the you know when people talk about keepers positioning and and you know strength and where they should be and body and things i don't ever really know what anybody's talking about but it just looked to go past him really easy and i don't know if i'm being harsh there
4: I think, for me, it's just a good finish. Um, it's, okay. not, it's not what you'd usually expect because he hits it low and early. Yeah. Um,
2: you
4: know, if you're in that scenario as well, you've got to say the keeper is, uh, is not the favourite. Um, I think we got used to Nick Pope making so many brilliant saves in those kind of positions when he, he really didn't have any right to. And I think if you're Rich, what you're expecting is like a curling shot over to your left-hand side and he's positioned himself for that. And it's just a good finish. For me, anyway, other people might disagree, but... I don't have a, a big problem with Murich's shot stopping abilities. I think the reason Good. that's beaten just because it's a clever, low early finish, uh, you know, low into the corner and it's a difficult one to get down for for the keeper.
2: Sorry, I'm being disturbed. this is terrible, terrible podcasting for us because it's not visual. I might have to put these videos out just to be doing it. I'm just I'm trying to have a serious conversation here about Murich's shot stopping and we've got George dancing around his video because a spider's on him. I can't listeners may i take this moment, uh, yeah i know it's like listeners may i take a moment to just pause and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sticking with us throughout all of these chaotic years because no matter what generation no matter what analysis your team we have there is always a certain amount of chaos to our podcasts
1: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
2: George, are you back with us? Can we talk to you about non spiders all over you and dancing around the Zoom? Can we talk to you about Berlin now, please?
3: Well, talking about dancing around, it's almost like Murat's coming through a cross at the moment um, to bring us back onto the football. Ooh, um,
2: that was I'm, unnecessary. That was
3: unnecessary. I must, I must say, I probably fair enough, Tom, that he was probably maybe not at fault for the Watmore goal. I did think it stuck past him very easily, um, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. That being said, with crosses, my word, is this an issue? Like, it really is an issue. He clearly, he's not up to it. He's not the task of coming across his commanding his box. The way, obviously, we'll discuss the the, the red card incident later, but it shouldn't have even happened if it should have just been able to claim the ball and command his area. It's just non-existent. There's a few flappy moments in the second half, and you think it's such a shame because he's fantastic with his feet and his shot stopping for the large, by and large, has been good, but he just, it, for, for such a big bloke, God, he, he seems incapable of controlling uh, balls that come into his box. So that's a concern for me. Whether you, he improves, let's see.
2: Do you think that contributed to the penalty, which we'll come on to? Let's look at this now at the same time. Do you think, because I do think he puts his defence in quite a lot of pressure when he comes out and flaps with a little bit and misses it. I know he very much redeems himself by saving the penalty, but I, yeah, he didn't film with massive amount of confidence for the Roberts handball. ball.
3: It's... Yeah, it's it's very much it's it's what we've seen all season. He's not good at commanding his area. Now, to be fair, I completely forgot he then saved the penalty. So yeah, fair play, fair play to him. But I, I just find do you, do you guys find this? There's this weird thing on social media at the moment where with Murić, it's either you've got to be like really anti him or you've got to be really like, oh, he's fantastic. Like people are saying, oh, let's give him all this praise. Let's really support him. Like he was brilliant at the weekend. And I'm like, look, he saved the penalty, but it was sort of his fault in the first place. Like. It doesn't have to be one or the other, you know what I mean? Like he's a good That's just keeper. he's not brilliant. I just think it's general with Muris. Yeah. I think people are people are getting themselves into camps and there's no need. Like he's good keeper, but yeah. he's not fantastic. I think you know this I mean?
2: is this is indicative of society as a whole now at the moment. I think you have to be like it's it's polar opposites. because there's, there's no you're not allowed to just be all right and down the middle on anything anymore. You've either got to be anti-Trump or you've got to be a Trump supporter, or you've got to be, you know what I mean? It's like you, you, the people are on polar opposites all the time. I think that's just what society's come to. And you don't, you can you can just chill out a bit, people. Um, obviously, George, I think we're all fully expecting that Connor Roberts will not be serving any ban anytime soon. Um, I'm going to say here and now that I do not, share this absolute mockery of the referee. A lot of people coming out saying referee, you're an absolute disgrace. And even even in the Sky Sports studio, they were saying, I think it was I can't remember it was one of them on the panel was saying, keep you an absolute disgrace. When you look at that in real time and in the ground on the scene, I Do not see how the referee cannot not send him off for that because it's only a certain angle really close up on the replay that you realise that it's hitting the bar. But Roberts, to start off with, is jumping up with his hand in the air and had every intention of palming it off the crossbar, I might add. Um, So, uh, you know, Tom, back me up on this. Do we agree here? Are we having some sympathy for our referee here?
4: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I watched it on uh, the red button because I couldn't get up on Saturday so watching it in real time it, you couldn't really see um, seeing it back on the replays um, you know like you say it's not a, it's not an obvious um, it's not obvious on first viewing whether or not it's come off the uh, off the bar or off his hand because yeah. the motion of his hand the way he does that it, yeah, exactly, that's exactly how the ball would have bounced yep. if it had hit his hand so I, yeah I can, I can totally see why the linesman has seen that and thought oh it's come off his hand um, it's not it's not egregious decision you know in, in the sense that some of these weather- I think the problem that you get sometimes is it's one thing if you're a, a referee and you miss something that has happened what's really worrying when you're a referee is, is when you see something that hasn't happened that's when that's when you really question officials for me but in that instance you could yeah. see why he yeah. saw that because it looked it very much did look exactly like that yeah it did it and what, and why put your hand up do you know what i mean exactly
2: Connor right, roberts man. was trying to do exactly what the keeper thought he was trying to do and then robert's phone up was quite unlucky that he actually yeah he he can sit here and claim i didn't touch it but mate you tried to touch it that's exactly what you were doing with your hands. so no i think that's absolutely fine I, one thing do either of you know this and I, I say this because i don't often do this i did actually do my research before i came on air i didn't know whether Actually, let me pause there because you two might shake your heads at me and think I'm utterly stupid here. But I didn't know whether overturning a red card with things like that is the same as it is for, say, like a dangerous tackle offence, where whether they might look at it and go, well, yeah, you actually you put your hand up and you intended to do it. Just because you missed it, you're still going to be red carded. That's not true. With that instance, because he didn't actually touch it, the card will be rescinded.
3: I'm right. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't, have a clue either. But I'm, i cer- certainly was bored, and or someone on Twitter who confirmed that, yeah, that makes no difference. It will be rescinded.
2: Good, good, good. Because you know sometimes like when it's a, when it's a vicious, you know, when they say, oh, actually, you know, you went in for a tackle because it's intention and it's dangerous play, even though you missed him, then you, you still get your head card. Good, good, good. Um, what else did I want to talk about about the game? Uh, oh, there was a, there was a. Oh, actually, quick one before we move on to this. Carrick was whinging about penalty. I looked like a penalty to know if it was outside the box or not. I uh, can't remember who it was on. I, oh, who was it? Whose player was it on? There was, it, when it was 1-0, he thinks that they should have had a penalty. Uh, did either of you see it? Do either of you have any form of opinion on it? I don't. I don't think it was enough contact for me, but I'm going to throw that out there, see if anybody thinks differently.
4: Uh, no, I don't think it was in the box for one thing, I think the, the, the foul is just outside, you just fall into the box but uh, I think if we were going to go VAR on that, it wouldn't give it because it wasn't in the box. The other thing as well while it was a foul and, and the referee should have given it, there was one a few minutes later at the other end where Cork gets similarly barged over I and mean, there was no debate about whether or not that one was in the box, it was definitely outside but it's the exact same foul and the referee doesn't give that either so you could say they were both wrong but at least they were consistently wrong and yeah. then the other days as well um, if, if you took if they had been given a penalty and he took it anything like you did the one at the end then it wouldn't have mattered anyway yeah that's it, true oh gosh that was a shocking penalty
2: like Muremich just didn't even need to move he just kind of like went oh thanks I'll just bend down here and pick you up I didn't even have any power on it it was shocking well, oh,
3: go on, do you not think? Do you not think... I, no, it's just a general thing for, for you guys, based on penalties. It's just it's just funny. Do you not find it, It's really funny how with a penalty, you can say, fantastic penalty. Um, but if the keeper jumps, goes the right way, all of a sudden, that exact same uh, penalty is like an awful penalty. Like, look at Messi last night. He had the guts to do that little side, side roll. If the keeper goes the right, right way, you're thinking, what a muppet. Why has he done that? Put your foot through it. And it's probably, the, to be fair to the Burrow guy, it's exactly the same. Um, you goes the he's got it. He's that's got it. fine, it but know.
2: wait, to wait till Mewich moves the other way before you do yeah. it. He didn't. He just shot up, just did it. Yeah. He wasn't exactly. clever. Let's not give him the benefit of that doubt. I'm afraid he was just crap. <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, that's the difference, isn't it, with Messi's, and he did the same uh, in the other shootout as well. He waits till the keeper's moved, and then he rolls it to the side because he knows the keeper won't get it, whereas Atpom's not waiting for the keeper. He's just hitting a weak penalty, so... I think the only way Murich would have uh, would have not saved that is if a spider had fallen him just as the kit was taken and he jumped up in the air.
2: Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I guess I just want to wrap up the game before we move on to thinking about United and wider plans. Um, you've got to feel for poor Scotty Twine. Finally makes his home debut. Spends about five minutes on the pitch. Gets clattered on the floor in the middle of that and then gets hooked off again because we got Conor Robert sent off. Poor lad needs to catch a break, surely.
4: Yeah, felt for him. But at the same time, I was quite relieved, actually, when he said after he was subbed off for tactical reasons and not. Because yeah. that tackle. That, I mean, it was I, a bad tackle. I haven't tackle. seen it back, but at the time, I thought it, that was a straight red. I thought he was quite lucky to get away with that. Yeah. It had, it had all the hallmarks of ex-Blackburn Rovers player who knows the game is gone and is so going to leave one on somebody, I thought it was a shocking challenge. Um, so at least you know it, it's bad for him, and but I'm sure he understood the reasons why, and, and the main thing yeah. is that he's not injured, and and hopefully he'll get a run out at Old Trafford. And that's think uh, that's for a guy who's come up from League Two, League One, that would be quite the the fixture to be back for. So fingers crossed yeah, that he definitely. gets part like on Wednesday.
2: I just I just worried for him because he, he is so young, and he's just he's just had a really like tough start to his, his turf more career and I just I really felt for him I was just like oh can you not knock somebody else off and just let him have another five minutes so uh, yeah I did feel I did feel for him um anything else on the game either of you before we start looking ahead to Old Trafford
3: just that it, it just feels too easy watching us at the moment it really does like, oh my god like, doesn't I'm, it? so like not to be arrogant but it's only we're, we're talking amongst friends be in, arrogant it's just be arrogant it's, it's just so easy. Like even when we went one 0 down, it was like, yeah, but we're going to score. Like, and if and if we're not going to score two, we'll at least score one to equalise. Like yeah. everything just seems um, very easy. So it's enjoyable to watch, but at the same time, I don't know. Like I do, I do, I do somewhat miss the anxiety of thinking, oh, are we going to? What's going to happen here? You know, it just all oh, does seem a bit easy. <laughs>
2: well bottle, it's, bottle, an easy, it's a good
3: thing to to complain
2: this time next year we won't be feeling quite so confident we won't be uh, yeah we won't be feeling quite as jolly as we did right now yeah let's let's wrap up there uh, listeners do drop us a line and us know what your thoughts were from that Bury game and essentially at what date in March you think we're going to see an automatic promotion let us know you can get in touch with us in the usual channels so let's move on then, because we are, of course, back with the Premier League boys this week. We are going to Old Trafford on Wednesday for our Calling Cup game. Tom, it's going to be a really, I think I really liked what company said today, where it's not going to be a champ, it's not going to be an opportunity for us to test where we are. It's an opportunity to test where we want to be. And I thought that was a very clever way of managing expectations. But irrespective of that, given that we were only there competing. Last year and the six seasons before it in the league, I'm expecting us to go and give United a game.
4: I'm going to be really interested to see how it goes because, uh, you know, we've been speaking about the last few weeks. It's, it's you know, we, we're we playing really well, but we're not up against top quality opposition. No. And, uh, uh, you know, there was some uh, Richard was saying on a uh, group chat the other day he thinks the team we've got this year is obviously, apart from the, the keeper and the two centre rounds, is better than the team we had yep. last year. Definitely. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see how that how that translates you know to playing really good quality opposition i think um the fact that they haven't had a game you know since the world cup break they'll have a lot of players who are coming back sort of undercooked, whereas we've had a couple of games to get back in the swing of things um and it's a team as well so i think every team really in there in the in the division that we're in we expect to, to dominate the ball have more possession it's not very often you go away to old traffic dominate the ball have loads of possession so How do we respond to that? You know, how are we going to react to that? Are we going to be a bit more direct? Are we going to be a bit more, you know, a bit a bit more cavalier in terms of the way we we keep the ball? It's really interesting to see. I think it's a fascinating game, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Yeah. What do you do squad wise, George, when we go over there? Do do just basically keep this team as they are, get keep them match fit. It's only our third game back after that month break, so we're wanting to keep people fit. Or do you rest people? What what do you do with your company?
3: I think he's got to go for it, really. I think he's got to play a full-strength team. Um, possibly a couple of changes here and there. Maybe give Twine, um, a start from the off, and in in some ways you could say that's not weakening us. Um, but I think you've really you've got to go there and play a play a full-strength team. You know, it it, it just feels like such an opportunity. The the fact that they've basically had a month off, so don't give me this nonsense about all the legs being tired or anything already. Like, let's just get football played. Like, I just think back to when we went up in the playoffs under Coyle. Graham Alexander played something like fifty two games that season, and he was he was almost fifty two himself. You know what I mean? So let's play (laughs) a full strength side on Wednesday night and uh, see where we go. But I'm sort of I'm agreeing with Tom. It's just going to be fascinating to see how we play and how it how it deals with United. Yeah,
2: definitely. What do you do up front, Tom? Assuming Tellers still unfit,
4: well, yeah. Well. I'd like us to play our best team, so Rodriguez and then Benson, and maybe Goodmunson's a good option because he's a bit more defensively minded. Yeah. Um, I thought he was
2: really good against Bury, by the way, Joy. Not Joy, um, yeah, that's the well, other Goodmonson, jo- Johan, yeah. Joy, Johan, JBG.
4: Um, yeah, no, he's, he's, he doesn't look out of place in this team with the quality of. No, he doesn't. Football, which I think he's a really big compliment for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think again, it's we've we spoke we spoke about it last week. The sort of whoever we play up front at the minute, as a, apart from maybe you'd say from Rodriguez down to Bonds and Derbyshire, there's a bit of a drop off in quality, and maybe that's why we're looking yeah. to that in January. But I think in terms of the wingers, we've got four or five really good options there, and, and you wouldn't be unhappy to see any of them. in Good stuff.
2: Um well, we don't have a preview show this week. We tend to not do a full scale preview of any cup games for. Statman Dave has got enough on his plate. We did speak to our opposition fan, Johnny Hoare, who does a few of our previous shows for us, and we got his thoughts ahead of the
5: game. Hi there, this is Johnny and Oscar, and we were not expecting to be back on this podcast so soon, but nice to be here. Um, And yeah, here we are, a day after the most amazing World Cup final in history, I think. And now we're talking about the Carabao Cup fixture between Manchester United and Burnley which feels like a slight come down but I say no good to get back into the domestic league uh, avoid any of those World Cup blues Um, and so in terms of United uh, I think United had the most players of any club in the last eight uh, if you include Ronaldo so good news number one is no more Ronaldo quite glad to see the back of him Um, and then as for the rest of them I really have no idea what sort of state they're all in presumably a bit tired jet lagged Sad and disappointed, um, except in one case where Mr. Martinez is, probably has an outrageous hangover, I expect. So, uh, not exactly sure who is going to be fit and available, but I've got Oscar here who's going to give us his best guess.
0: Yeah, so I think De Gea is going to start in goal after Dubravka was not so convincing in the friendlies. Um, I think Dallow will be given a break after a strong World Cup, so that will leave Malasia and Luke Shaw to make up. Full backs. I think after Varane and Martinez are both involved with the World Cup final, we'll see a return to last season's Maguire and Lindelof. Um, I think Casemiro is likely to be given a break, so we'll see McTominay start with Ericsson, who obviously exited the World Cup early, as lo- along with Bruno. And then up front, I think we'll see Martial, who's been looking good after coming back from injury,
5: with Garnaccio and Anthony. Looking forward to seeing Garnaccio again. He looked very exciting just before the World Cup. Uh, So that's it from us. We look forward to seeing the new, improved Burnley. And happy Christmas to you all. Bye. OK, do you want
2: to give me a score prediction then, please, George?
3: It's going to be. 2-0 2-0 Burnley on the night. Uh, there's going to be many, many happy Clarets travelling to and back from Manchester. Or maybe not back from Manchester, because I think uh, there'll be a few bars being frequented
4: uh, Wednesday night.
2: Good stuff. Tom, how are you feeling? Give me a score prediction.
4: I think I've I've, <laughs> I've got carried away in my own head uh, with Uh-oh. the fact that I haven't played. I I think I'm going to this game thinking it's going to be another like 3-0 win or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Stop.
2: <laughs> Quoted. Done. It's in the bank. Tom Whitaker says three nil to the Clarets. I'm not joking. I'm not giving you another prediction. And you, you're staying on that and staying on it. Um. Yeah. Well, let's all let, do. Let us know what your score predictions are, Clarets, because I would like to. Um. I'd like to see how you're feeling. Just. Just a a different, you know, a team outside of the Championship and something different for us. Uh, Before we wrap up, though, uh, we've not got a game now on Boxing Day, which upsets me. I'm still not happy about that. Um, So we are not going to speak to you all now until after Christmas. Um, A quick word, Tom. Um, We've talked a lot about the Burnley effect and how each generation of Clarets players just seems to buy into our town somehow. And this week we've learned that our lone player, Ian Mattson, is doing something pretty spectacular for the some Burnley uh, families. How impressed have you been with his initiative?
4: Yeah, really, really good. If people haven't seen it, he's uh, he's uh, asking people to get in touch with him. I think you can get on his Twitter page or his Instagram to to nominate a family uh, in Burnley who you think or well, the surrounding area that you think was deserving of a bit of a, a bit of Christmas cheer this year. Um, and he's going to donate to these 10 families groceries, so Christmas shopping in terms of the food shop. Amazing. Presents as well. Yeah, really good. I mean, it's it's you know it it's not something that you expect to see necessarily, especially not from a lone player. You know, uh, you, you, it's a job to him, isn't it? And he's come for a year from Chelsea. I'm sure he, his his ideal would be that he's he goes back in place for Chelsea next year and gets in their team. So it's not as if he has to sort of buy into this, you know, the the community and the surroundings in this way. Um, yeah, just really, really, really good to see a, a lot of respect for it and. Uh, it just seems to be good news stories on and off the pitch at the minute. and uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it definitely does. And that with the, with the Food Bank as well, which is just really well supported. And we've seen, seen today, I think uh, Charlotte's just put um, something in our chat box as well, just to say that the Ensley Match shirt, they are now put as a raffle, not as an auction, um, which is a really great idea. And I've been wanting them to do this for ages because it gives everybody a chance to try and win one rather than those with the deepest pockets. So... There's just a lot of, there's a good feeling about the club. There's a, there's a good feeling. I, I, rounding off 2022 for us has been the, the, low, the, the very short-lived laws for me of relegation. I was really down in the dumps for not very long at all. And I was one of the early vocalists of wanting a change in and a change in the board and changing everything i think it was a club that needed a complete fresh new look and i am delighted with the way things have turned out from the top all the way down um so we're signing off in 2022 with just a really good feel um, that is all we have time for listeners from everybody here at none and ever a very very merry christmas if you celebrate it um do take some time out to spend with your families um, enjoy the break from work if you get one but most importantly at the moment look out for each other um, it's a tough life out there and it's getting tougher every single day but we can get through this if we all stick up for each other so don't forget your neighbours check in on your friends and just do something nice for a stranger you never know what will do to cheer their day up uh, my thanks is everybody who has contributed to making this podcast we're going to be back I think I don't know if we're going to do something post-United. I think if we beat United, we'll probably try and sneak a little celebratory podcast in. Uh, but if not, we will speak to you before our non-Boxing Day fixture. Best wishes, everybody, and we will see you soon. The and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sports Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting no Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan
0: Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't
2: change? Needing health insurance.